Well, Colson, thank you once again for leading us in worship this morning. Carl, thank you for that uh, magnificent uh, devotional communion thought. And for those who have served on the table, those who are working and teaching our classes, uh, those who uh, do so much here at this church, we always want to say thank you for your service. Uh, we really appreciate you. Good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Um, we are so blessed to be able to gather here at this place to worship God in spirit and in truth. And to our visitors, uh, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest. And thank you for being here with us this morning. We've got uh, some DeBose family members here all the way from Searcy, uh, Arkansas, which is a place that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, so we're excited that they're here. Uh, if you're visiting, I want you to do me a favor, if you will. There's a card in the back of your pew. If you do me a favor and take that out and fill it out, and you can pass it in to me or one of our shepherds, or we've got a box in the foyer that you can place it in, we'd love to uh, write you a little thank you note and say thank you for being with us and invite you back out if you're ever in uh, the area because we have a very, very fine, fine church here. I want to make one quick announcement before we hop into the material this morning. Next week, I'm going to be out of town. Uh, my father and mother are going on a cruise to Alaska. So dad called me up and said, Jason, I did you a favor and I preached for you. You got to come out to the high desert and preach for me. So I'm heading out to uh, uh, Victor Valley, the church out there uh, on the first. And I've got our brother in Christ, TJ uh, Reyes, who is going to be preaching for us. And I'm excited about that. And I think he'll do an outstanding uh, job next week. I like to start with something funny um, on Sunday mornings. Uh, and uh, the story goes that there was a man who moved into a nursing home. And he soon noticed that a woman was constantly staring at him, like she was checking him out or something. And uh, after a few days, he approached her and he said, ma'am, why have you been staring at me all this time? She said, well, you look just like my third husband. Uh, and the man said, well, how many times have you been married? She said, twice. So, um... <laughs> I tell you what, we can learn so much from our seniors, can't we? Amen. <laughs> uh, as, as many of you know, this weekend we are celebrating Memorial Day. So many of you are receiving a day off tomorrow and much needed rest. Uh, some of you have traveled a bit this weekend and may be traveling out this way. And uh, many of you have been able to enjoy a time of relaxation. And what a tremendous blessing, if you ever think about it, uh, to be able to enjoy life in America because of the sacrifices of so many who gave their lives in service to this great country. And that's what Memorial Day is all about, for us to be reflective and to remember those that that gave their lives in service and have allowed us to be in this place where we are today. Without their sacrifice, we wouldn't be here today. So we uh, think about them at this time. Memorial Day serves as a reminder of the sacrifice of uh, so many men during the American uh, Civil War. And if you've read that history, I'm sure you have. You know it very well. Men everywhere decided to take a stand against the social injustice of slavery and of other issues, and they decided to side with a vision of what our nation could be. They saw a better future for our country as a united front. And 
in that idea of this nation becoming better or this country, there was a call of duty that both men, young and old, had uh, enough courage to stand up and embark on. And they decided to answer that call. And this morning, uh, I thought we would talk about service as I thought about this concept of of uh, Memorial Day. So I thought we'd talk about service in the, in, in the sphere, if you will, of serving within the kingdom. And the title of the message this morning is Call of Duty, because I think that God is calling all of us to serve. And service, if you think about it, is the very reason why Jesus came to this earth. Amen? So if we look in our Bibles to our very first text this morning, it's found in Mark chapter 10 and verse number 45. So if you can go to that first slide for me, Mike, we'll look at this text together. Actually, here's a picture of the uh, American uh, Civil War and these men giving their lives in service to the country. Go to the next slide. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse number 45 says this. It's something that's really profound and, and special when we think about service. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if you think about Jesus and the nature of Jesus, we study Christology and we say that the nature of Jesus is threefold in a lot of ways. He is uh, the son, he is a suffering servant, and he is a savior. And when we think about this idea of service, Jesus came to serve us as a suffering servant, to give his life as a ransom for many, even though he was and is the son of God. He decided to take that mentality of service, and he did that to allow us entrance into the kingdom and also to serve as an example for us to follow. So if we call ourselves disciples of Jesus Christ, if we call ourselves Christians, we have to have the same mentality and the same mindset of service. But I think a lot of times our culture has fed into this idea of um, the, the McDonaldization of the church, where you come to the church and you come in and you expect your needs to be met and to be filled, and you sit down and you get filled up on the word or on the song, and then you leave and, and then you come back next week. And that's a poor mentality. And that's something that I want to speak to this morning as we think about sacrifice. And if we think about this call to duty that Jesus tells us to be mindful of. So this morning, I really want to spend time in the pastoral epistles this morning. First and second Timothy and Titus. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the book of Titus uh, this morning. And I want to look at a couple of passages that will help us flesh this idea out about service. And I want to talk about really how you can begin to serve right now as a part of this church. Um, You can serve by using your example right now. Whenever we think about service, we think about something that we need to build up, something that we need to give a lot of money to right now. We think about mission trips overseas, and we think that service, or we need to step up to the plate and and, and serve on the table or lead singing or preach or teach. There's a lot of ways to serve on a very practical level. And this morning, I'm going to flesh some of that out, and I want to talk about the service of example this morning. So like I said, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Titus, Titus chapter 2, and we're going to look at uh, uh, verses 2 through 6, and I want to flesh this out together this morning because I think it's really, really neat. Um, As we know, Paul left some instruction to this young evangelist by the name of Titus 
uh, concerning the structure of the church in Crete. Paul and Silas and many of his companions were going around and they were planting churches and they came to this area of Crete. Paul established this church. He left and he left Titus there and he said, Titus, here's what I want you to do. I wanted you to set some things in order. I want to tell you what to teach to various groups within the church. So as this young evangelist, his charge was to teach uh, these principles. So if we look at chapter 1 in the book of Titus, we see Titus's uh, job description in Crete, and we see an introduction, right? And then we get to chapter 2, and Paul begins to get hot and heavy here, and he gives direction about what should be taught to various groups in the church. And he begins by saying, you must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, to be worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way that they live, not to be slanderous or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. So if we look at this text, Paul is, is pretty clear, and he gives us some instructions or some teachings to be mindful of. And I think in this text, there's no open secret, there's no secret at all that Paul starts with, with first of all, the older or aged men in the church. Now, I'm not going to define what an older or aged man is in the church, because that may get me into trouble, amen? I'll leave that up to you. But he starts with talking about older men, and I believe he starts talking about older men because men are called to be leaders in the church and to set the tone for the entire church. So he says, men, I'm going to start with you first, gentlemen, older men, senior men. I was uh, reading a book that I thought was pretty profound in, in studying for this material. It's a book by Kent Hughes, and the title of the book is Disciplines of a Godly Man. And in this book, he states this. Male leadership in the church is on the decline as women outnumber men. And as a result, more and more men are content to let others shoulder the heavy responsibilities while they go along for the ride. And then he goes on to say that men are either a part of the problem at church or they're a part of the solution at our local churches. And based on that statement, I couldn't agree more. So he begins and he says, senior aged men, older men, here's how I need you to be. And the first thing that he says is, I need you to have emotional control. There is nothing more scary than meeting an old grumpy man. Amen? Have you been there before? They're scary people, right? Scary people. So, so Paul starts off and he says, Titus, here's what I want you to tell the, the older gentlemen in your church. They've got to have emotional 
control. They can't be too high. They can't be too low, too depressed, too happy. Too They've got to be like a rock and keep it just like this. Why? Because if they react, everybody else reacts. You see it in the family unit, don't you? If dad gets scared, everybody gets scared. But if dad is not scared or not worried, usually a calm comes about. The other day, we had this huge spider in our bathroom. And I walked in and I might have screamed, right? I may have. Mary screamed, Alayla screamed, Izzy screamed, and then I think the dog screamed because I reacted, right? So typically, what we need to be mindful of is as older men or senior men in the church, you set the tone emotionally. You've got to keep on a stable plateau or or a field. And then the Bible says these older men in the church or aged men, they have to be worthy of respect. There's something about seeing an older gentleman who has gone through the difficulties of life and that has come through and that walks with that sense of confidence and that demeanor that when they step into the room, you almost want to stand up because they're worthy of that much respect. The Bible says for aged men, don't be so silly, don't, don't joke around all the time, but be worthy of respect. Be worthy of respect. And then it goes on to say, be self-controlled. Control your actions. And then it says, be strong in faith and in love and in endurance. Because why? Because you are called to be an example to younger men in the church. So, Senior men, younger men are looking at you and looking at your example. What kind of example are you setting to the younger men in the church? Are you active in service of the kingdom? Are you encouraging? Are you uplifting? One of the most special times that I've had in my life is um, uh, with a man by the name of G. Wyatt Shaw. This man was uh, 90 years old at the time. He was a uh, he was uh, a, a man who grew up in the deep south. He was a white man and, 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 and lived through some deep racism. He was a member of our church. He was an elder. I must have been 16 years old at the time. And he would often come up to me after church and say, Jason, I want you to come on over to my house and we're going to sit down and talk. I was like, oh, man, I do not want to do that. But after church on Sundays, he would make me go over to his house. And my parents would gladly drop me off over there, too. They would drop me off, and I would have to sit with him the entire afternoon, and he would tell me stories upon stories. And they were the same story over and over and over again. I could tell him what was going to happen before he said it. But there was something about his demeanor and his nature that taught me so much about what it means to be a strong man. And I thought that was so special. He didn't have to do that. And I tell you what, when he passed away, it broke, broke my heart. I remember when Mary and I were at Harding at college, oftentimes we would drive to Georgia to go visit my grandparents, and we would stop by G. Wyatt's uh, house. And he would sit there, and he would talk with us and talk with us and talk with us. And he mentored me so much, and I thought it was so special. Senior men, older men in our church, you need to find a younger man in the church. You need to take him out to lunch. You need to spend time with them. Coach them mentor them. And some of you may be saying, well, I've tried to reach out to some of these younger men, but they're hardhead and they won't listen. Brother Shaw kept doing it. You're going with me one Sunday. You're going with me one Sunday. And eventually it connected because that's what we need. We need our older men in the church, senior men to serve as examples of what it means to be a leader and a strong man in the church because you're teaching us. And then Paul tells Titus, he then progressively goes to senior or older women or aged women in the church because women never age. 
<laughs> Amen. <laughs> and he says, here's what I want you to teach the senior or older or aged women. Be reverent, number one. What does that mean? Well, it means to show respect toward God and actually toward other people. To be a reverent person. Say nice things, to be kind, to be respectful. And then he goes on to say, watch out for your tongues or be careful about how you talk and gossip. I tell you what, ladies, you have a huge impact in our church. Gossip can really tear up our churches if we're not careful. That's why Paul was telling Titus, tell our ladies to be mindful of what they say. And if they do say something, tell them it ought to be encouraging and be nice and beneficial. And then it says, tell them not to have too much wine either. Because gossip and wine don't go together. Amen. There's a lot of trouble there that we have to watch out for. <laughs> right? And we need to stay away from those things, ladies, is what, is what Paul was telling Titus. So that then what? That they can mentor the younger women in church. And Mary has countless stories, and I do too, of ladies in our church when we were growing up or going to school in Arkansas that would take her aside and say, tell me how it's going. I know you, you got a new baby. Life is probably tough for you right now. You're getting much. I remember ladies at our church used to come and bring us food. And not for me, really, but just for Mary. They would bring her plates of food for Mary. I hope you're doing okay. And I tell you what, that was so encouraging and such a blessing. So same thing. Ladies, senior ladies, older ladies. I can't, I keep this wrong word. You're going to kill me after that. But you know where I'm going. Find a young lady that has young children at home that, so maybe working and encourage them. Tell them to keep up the good work. Tell them they can handle it. They can do it. And this is what we are called to do as senior men and women in the church. You're setting the tone. You are the leaders. You are the examples for younger ones to follow. Like mother, like daughter. Amen? Every good habit that mama has the daughter will have. Every bad habit that the mama has, the daughter will have. Every ugly habit that the mama has, typically the daughter will have. Right? So we've got to watch our example. Chances are, I've seen it before. Mama picked a bad man. Used to beat up on her, treat her wrong, and then we see the cycle continue with the daughter, right? Daughter picks a similar type of man. Ladies, you've got to watch your example because younger ones are watching. And then it goes on as we continue on in this text. It starts talking about young women in the church, of which we have many here. And Paul tells Titus to teach them this. Number one, to love their family, which basically means place your family first. More important than career, more important than other things. Put your family First, that's most important. And then he goes on to say, be self-controlled. And if you think about every age group within the church, he uses the same terminology, be self-controlled, older men. Be self-controlled, older Be self-controlled, younger women. Be self-controlled. And basically that means don't allow situations to dictate your character and your thinking. Because I know as young ladies, it's hard sometimes taking care of the baby taking care of home, trying to work outside of the home, and those things build up, and you're ready to explode. Amen? The Bible says, keep it together. Remain self-controlled. 
You can get through it. And then he goes on to say, make sure you're kind. Young ladies or younger women, be kind. Have a smile on your face. Life is not that terrible all the time. Amen. And then lastly, what I love so much is Titus teaches that, ladies, you have to go along with your hard-headed husbands. Just, just, just hang in there with them. We're hard-headed, amen? But just support them and love them anyway, right? You know, I always say to Mary, I'm the head of the house. Well, Mary says, I'm the neck. So, um, so just, just go along with your husbands. Support them. They, you know, we're hard-headed. We know that. But we need your support and encouragement and love and know that you have our backs, even if we make silly decisions and poor choices sometimes. And then lastly, I think uh, Paul ends with young men. And I think he ends with young men because he really, we need to hear it the most, I think. He says, I'm saving the best for last for you young men, okay? Young men are strong. Young men have a lot of energy. And here's what young men need to do. They need to be self-controlled, which basically means for the young man, we've got to check our egos at the door, and realize we're not that great. We're not that important. Uh, we shouldn't take ourselves that seriously. And then he goes on to say, you've got to have integrity, which basically means, fellas that fall into my age category, we've got to do what's right when people are looking and when people aren't looking. The same type of character uh, at all times, to have integrity, to be honest, to be concerned about that. And then it's interesting that Paul goes on and tells Titus, make sure they have a sense of seriousness. Because young men, we like to joke, we like to have a good time, we like to hang out with, we got, sometimes we're even lazy a little bit. But the Bible says we've got to learn to be serious people, realizing that our actions today can affect our lives tomorrow. Amen. So we got to take this life seriously and watch what we do and watch what example we're setting. And then lastly, it says you got to have truth in your speech. And what does that mean? Well, it says or what it means is you ought to mean what you say and say what you mean. Amen. That's what it means to have truth in speech. And for young men, we must start preparing ourselves to be future leaders in our churches, and to take life seriously. So if you haven't stepped up to the plate yet and volunteered or been proactive to get out there and get serving, I would say, what's holding you, holding you back? Well, maybe what's holding you back is what I want to leave you with in this last verse in Galatians chapter 5, verse, verses 13 and 14. Here's what the Bible says. For you, brethren, were called to freedom, this is the Amplified Version, by the way. Do not let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh or to serve as an excuse for selfishness. But rather, but through love, you should serve, should serve one another. I love this text because I think it really fleshes out this concept of Christian liberty or freedom. As Christians, we're free to do whatever we, well, I shouldn't say free. We can do whatever we want to do. We're not robots. God is not controlling us. He doesn't say you. He gives us freedom to make decisions. And that's what the scripture here is fleshing out to us. We have freedom to do what we want. We can come to church and we could be Sunday morning Christians if we want. We can be actively involved every single day serving the kingdom if we want. We can be kind if we want. We, can be, we have freedom to do whatever we want to do. And then 
goes on to say, but don't let your freedom be an incentive to serve your flesh. Or to serve as an excuse, which oftentimes it does. Since we're free, we can get around to it or we can do what we want. But through love, Scripture says here, we ought to serve one another. With your free will, you should be choosing to serve. And I want you to start, church, with using your example. That's the easiest way to get started. You can start serving right now. Um, you don't have to make uh, a mission trip right now or priority in your life. Or you don't have to make it uh, giving a lot of money right now to get started and feel like you're serving the Lord. Or you don't have, all you got to do right now is just watch your example. And I think that's a really good way to start in this process of serving. So this morning, I just want to encourage you to think about these principles as we remember, <laughs> remember what the Lord did for us. And every day is a memorial when we come together and we sit around the Lord's Supper and we partake and we hear the word and we pray and we sing. We're saying, Lord, we remember what you did for us and we are striving really hard to do the same. We're not content. Not content. We're ready to serve. So the question I have for you this morning is, are you willing to serve? Because I think that's what our church needs. I think that's what Mission Viejo needs. I think that's what the world needs. People who are willing and ready and able to serve. So this morning, by way of invitation, maybe someone here has been neglecting this idea of service and doesn't know where to get started or simply just falling short in this area. We've got an invitation for you. We want you to come forward. We'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. And I think I'd be the first here to say that I can improve on this area in my life. So I know many of you can as well. Maybe this morning you're not a Christian. Maybe you haven't given your life completely in service to the Lord yet. We've got the baptistry ready. If you're willing to put Jesus Christ on in baptism this morning, we'll gladly do that and walk with you through that process. Whatever your needs or concerns are, won't you come together while we stand and sing the song of invitation?